Your Money Replay from Money FM 89.3. Money and Me on Your Money only on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money and Me, that part of the show where we look at ways you can grow your money and we speak to people who are doing just that. Joining me in the studio, Kenneth Liu, CEO of Virtual Community Seedly, and Junis Yu, she is a top 10 contributor at Seedly, and she's a venture capitalist in her own right. So welcome, Kenneth and Junis. Thanks. Thanks for having us again. Thank you. How are you this morning? So today we are talking about investing, getting started, beginning tips, great habits, the best accounts to mm-hmm. sign up for, and uh, how to do it right. So first up, I want to get to know both of you, and, and we'll maybe start with your own investment journey. So Junis, tell us, you're a venture capitalist. Yes. Well, I really started when I was in junior college as an intern, but that's when I you know, started seeing tech companies, and this was you know a little bit more than a decade ago. Okay. So you kind of know my age. Um <laughs> And, you know, this is when um, tech in Southeast Asia was just starting, right? If you look at a tech Southeast Asia scene now, it's definitely burgeoning with, you know, a lot of unicorns in the space. So you worked for a tech company? I worked in a VC fund. You worked in a VC fund and that's in junior where, college and you started investing, you had money to invest in? Um, that's when I started my knowledge of investing. Mm. But ah. in terms of opening my actual trading account, yes. it was, was 21, 22. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a couple um, of years after that. A couple of years after that, you know, after getting like, you know, a fair bit of information on private investments and also public equities, which is, you know, what most of the public would then deal with because you can't necessarily buy into private companies mm. as an individual yeah. if you're not, you know, high net worth. So main takeaway from that, if you are looking for an internship, head to a VC. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Kenneth, yeah. what about your own journey? Yeah, so for myself, I actually started on the tail end of NS where I started having a bunch of money that I saved up from my allowance. And when I entered university, I was super interested to see how we could actually grow that money because I read a lot of books back then in NS itself because you have a lot of time to actually read stuff there. Uh, and, and I realized that this thing called investing and how it could compound over time really actually was something quite magical. And when I was reading the books, a lot of the books were actually saying how people at 40 and 50 regretted not investing earlier. So that is where it sort of kicked off something and my brother actually helped me um, buy my first stock. So I didn't have a CDP account back then, but he was actually the one who helped me buy my first stock back then. With his account? With his account. So I gave him the money. He mm-hmm. actually bought it for me, but it, it, uh, it made a loss. Mm-hmm. So actually that's the learning there is actually don't buy a random stock that he was telling me to buy because I was actually um, quite naive back then as well. Uh, mm, so I understand, and then after that, I understood more of the idea of an ETF and how you could buy the market instead of just buying one single stock, which I think I'll share more as well later. Absolutely. Mm. So, um, why didn't you open your own account at GetGo? I think it was too complicated back then. You had to fill up many forms and you had to mail it to CDP, and so I think now you can do it online. So it's a lot easier to open. Jonas, when you yeah. were twenty-one and you opened your account, did it? feel daunting? It was definitely daunting, right? Mm. I mean, you know, when I look back on it now, I'm like, you know, why was I so petrified by the whole idea? But then, you know, Mm. back then, you know, I had peers, I guess, who were older and they Mm. had trading accounts and, you know, just listening to them talk about over lunch about, you know, the stock they're buying and you you just got to start somewhere, first of all, opening a trading Mm. account before you do anything. So it's basically an enabler. 
So it was definitely daunting just looking at, you know, like, oh, what do I, this is, so, there's so many forms that I need to fill up. And mm. then after that, you know, after filling in, then you'd be like, okay, I need to fund the account. And then when you fund the account, then you also need to transfer it to the different currencies, depending mm. on which markets that you're buying for. Mm. So there are a lot of fine details. A lot yeah, of fine details. Fine details yeah. uh, why do you suppose people in this day and age still shy away from investing? Yeah, I think the obvious one that we also always get beginners who come to us is the first thing is that it's so complicated. I don't trade or I didn't do finance in university or junior college. Mm-hmm. Is it right for me? And the second one is, um, you know, I don't want to lose any money mm-hmm. right off the yeah. bus. You know, the fear, right? Because, you know, you had, there's always this uncle over mm-hmm. Chinese New Year that someone lost a lot of money and he blames it on the stock market. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think the third one is actually, you know, it's too far down. It's for people who are looking to retire. Mm-hmm. But again, if you go back to the earlier point, that's actually not necessarily true as well. I mean, yeah. and then and we were just talking mm. about this. There's also people on the other end of the spectrum where I see fellow millennials mm-hmm. are putting their first investment capital into crypto. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And that's interesting, right? Because you you know you might see that as maybe the riskiest asset class, or you might not have the tools to analyze it the way you would for stocks, mm. for example. So that's an, you know, some, mm-hmm. a recent interesting phenomenon that we see. Yeah. It's, yeah. Quite, it's quite scary because a lot of them go in with the trading mindset. But you know, they're having a day job or they're studying in school and they're taking their, their, all their capital to go into the trading space. And, and a lot of them actually get burned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So especially with the recent crypto wave and you know, it has it's come and gone. Yes. Um, yes. So uh, yeah, naturally a lot of people uh, lost a lot of money. Some people yeah. think, I don't have enough knowledge. I don't speak numbers. Mm-hmm. It's just too complicated. Seedly helps people out when mm-hmm. it comes to crunching the numbers yep. on various issues. So when it comes to a beginner opening a trading account, there are all these fees to think about. Mm-hmm. What do you advise people? Which are the best accounts to look at? Yeah, so actually, you know, the earlier point on I, what I shared where you actually need to open a CDP. Nowadays, a lot of the times you don't even need to open a CDP because the banks actually do it for you as a custodian. So, I mean, just some obvious examples, the regular savings plans, they call it that, RSPs, but it's actually investment plans that you could buy in your bank at a very low cost. And they offer products like the STI ETF, which is the Straits Times Index, or even the Asian Bond Fund, which is also another index that tracks the bond market, or blue chip stocks. So OCBC has that. Mm-hmm. Um, DBS has that as well for fees between 0.88% to 1%. Uh, and you have some brokerages like FSM, Poems, who actually allow you to do that as well on a regular basis uh, every month at very low cost. And you can start with $100. Okay, so um, no views on, say, the other accounts, the online platforms? Oh, yes. So that is the tradi- more traditional ones. If you are looking to move beyond um, Singapore shores into a global market, then you can consider robo-advisors. So robo-advisors give you global diversification of um, global ETFs at a very low cost and you can do it in the comfort of your own home as well. You do a simple risk assessment and then they'll give you a portfolio that you can sort of buy into uh, and you monitor everything on your app or on, on the web itself. So I had Smartly's um, mm. founder on yesterday, Care Veskivali. Mm-hmm. Nice young man and he's, he recommended uh, individuals open multiple accounts when it comes to robo and even maybe write to these owners of mm. these trading platforms to say, I have this money, I want to invest with you. Can you give me six months, you know, uh, in negotiate the fees mm. with them. Have, have you heard of people doing that? Usually the robots that we actually have on the Sidley platform where people are writing reviews, a lot of them have a fixed um, mm. fee structure. So it's, it's dependent on your AUM as well. If you invest this amount, this is your fee, like maybe 1%. But if, if you invest more, it goes all the way down to 0.5%. So I suppose the there are a lot of robo accounts. Are you seeing more and more young people interested in, in using them? 
Yeah, I think just by the fact that they are targeting that segment of, of audience that a lot of them exist on Sidley as well because they have a bunch of money, they want to get started, they don't necessarily want to buy their first stock right mm-hmm. off the bat. So what do they do? They will look towards a global ETF portfolio. Mm. That's where these guys come in and they educate the market, they, they explain to them what a robo-advisor is yeah. and how you can do it. Part of the mm-hmm. the attraction of robo-advisors is some of them say you can start with as little as $50. So mm-hmm. let's tackle that myth that you um, need a lot of money to make a lot of money in the stock market. Yeah, it's definitely true. Um, you can start with $50. I, I think there are some examples with like uh, Stash Away, Squirrel Safe, um, Scythe. There's no minimum as well. So you could put in $1. Uh, but it, it wouldn't make sense, I mean, as an investment. Unless you're just trying to learn the ins and outs of the account. Unless you want to get an account to open and see what it looks like, yeah. Mm. So I think that could make sense. Uh, but generally speaking, it's between $0 um, to $100 to start. Yeah, smartly, I think it's $50. That's the minimum. What do you think of, you know, um, that, that saying that you, you need large amounts of money to make large amounts of money in the stock market? Well, I mean, when you're looking at returns, definitely, let's say if you're looking at a 20% return, then... Mm. You know, it really depends on what was your principal capital that you put in in the first mm. place. So, for example, I like I sold a stock that I owned for a few years for seven dollars. This was a SGX listed stock, and I bought it for one fifty, one seventy. Mm. But I didn't put that much money in. So right. that would be a very practical example of. On hindsight, I wish that I put in, let's say, 10x more, 100 times more. But that is really on hindsight. 700% appreciation over, over what time? Um, two, three years. Okay. Mm. Three, three. Wow. So this is the classic value investing yes. principle where you look for undervalued companies and you sort of follow them through all the way. So mm. that's one way to do it. I mean, uh, the other way would be, you know, back to like a small amount to start. Mm. Um, you could do the dollar cost averaging method in an index for example, the SCI ETF, right? So over time, economies grow. Inflation will grow as well. So that's where it's two sides of the same coin. Mm. And if you keep putting in a regular schedule monthly, uh, over time, you know, mm. you, you certain days you buy more, certain days you buy less, but it will actually grow in the long run. Okay, so now that you know what you know about investing and you look back, what is the best way to get started? There's so many books out there, so much online information. What do you say to investors personally? Well, I mean, for me, I mean, it's a little bit mm-hmm. um, contrary to what you said. Mm. I always tell people, like, you know, when young people come out to me and say, how do you start investing? What books should I read? And mm. I kind of tell them that in my personal experience, I could have read all the books from Warren Buffett, Benjamin Graham, so on and so forth. I could have read it for five years, 10 years mm. and not made a single action. And for me, the reason why, you know, like, um, you know, opening my trading account, the whole reason why I wanted to do that is I wanted to go through also the emotional, you know, how, how it would feel when I buy my first stock. Mm. How do I feel when, you know, now that I put in money, when the stock goes, uh, you know, below mm. what I bought it for, how would I feel about it? Mm. And that was why I wanted to educate myself on. So the few hundred dollars that I put on, I was prepared to lose it all because that was for me, you know, school fees. Okay, so, so that was what I would advise because when mm. you put money into a stock, everything that yeah. you read, be, be it analyst reports or books, you'll be a lot more focused about it. Open that account, mm. put money in no matter how little. That's my personal yeah. advice. Because then it feels real. Then you're really yes. in the market. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Actually, it's quite similar. Um, but I think the easier thing to do, instead of buying that one stock, you mm. could buy the SCI ETF. Yes. Mm. So you actually understand, okay, what is the SCI ETF? Mm-hmm. It's made up of 30 different stocks that make up the top 30 components. Mm. And you actually start to realize, oh, okay, these are companies that I know, right? DBS, OCBC, Singtel, da 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 da. And you actually see them around in your daily life as well. So actually, it gives you a perception of what is actually a market, what is an economy market, and what are the stocks that actually make up this market mm. and you're buying the market instead of just picking out one stock and you can start with $100 as mm. I shared earlier as well okay mm-hmm. and then of course you get more experience and you want to develop a portfolio for yourself or an investment plan so what do you say to an investor a little bit more acquainted with the market mm. so I think portfolio construction um, it always varies um, and I think we'll cover a bit more also next week where we look at different life stages between a person who is in the 20s 30s 40s and 50s but it's always the idea between a bond equity split do you go more aggressive in your earlier earlier stage of life or do you actually um, focus on more fixed income products in the later stage of your life? Um, so it's always, again, bond equity split. If you go to any robo-advisor platform as well, they will all show you the same thing. It's a single pie chart between a 60-40 split, 70-30, 80-20, uh, and that's simply what portfolio construction is about. Junus? Yeah. Do you have a view on portfolio construction, what you should be thinking about? Well, does it doesn't include things like other mm. asset classes. Like, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, that's also another way to sort of zoom out beyond just um, stocks and bonds, yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, if you look mm. at the entire universe, as a, mm. you know, start off with bonds and equities, I think that's a good way to start. Now, I guess a lot of people, as they get married, you know, they'll mm. buy property, but maybe that's for their, their, own, mm. their own use, but then property would be also another way mm. to, you know, look at adding to your investment portfolio. Mm. Um, and of course, there are the asset classes like gold. That's true. You know, even more exotic classes like art. Yeah. Mm, yes, we just had a specialist on talking about the art of investing mm-hmm. in oh. art pieces, really. Mm, nice. Yeah, we'll have someone come on to talk about the art of investing in jewellery as well. Yeah. Mm, handbags yeah, so. as well? No. Uh, <laughs> not going there yet. Precious, <laughs> precious jewels. Okay, so what are some strategies that a person can look into uh, for their personal investment journey? Yeah, so I, I guess there's uh, various factors of technical analysis, fundamental analysis, which uh, Junus maybe can cover a little bit. But I'll, I'll cover more on the dividend and value investing portion first. Great. So I think dividend investing is really a um, classic example in Singapore. Most people invest in REITs, which are real estate investment trusts. We love our dividends. Yes, right. So people like something that's predictable, revenue generating, and you know they can distribute a, a 95% of their revenue to the shareholders and the, and the, and the uh, people who actually own the shares. So that is in a form of dividend, uh, a dividend stock or dividend income generating asset. And then the other side is value investing, alluding to what Junus mm-hmm. has shared earlier with regards to finding undervalued stocks based on some form of analysis and then really betting on that stock to actually grow in the near, mid to long term. And, and examples even till today, like Amazon, companies like Amazon, Apple, if you got in at the early, early days, mm-hmm. even Netflix, for example. Yeah, Netflix is a good one. Yeah. A, a most recent one that everyone knows, right? Netflix. Mm. That, that would have been a very nice uplift uh, of uh, returns, capital gain as well. Not so much of the dividend gain, more on the capital gain. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there are the that mm. dividends camp. Yeah, there's also the fund. I mean, that, right for me in my universe, mm. I mean, because I've been in investment mm. jobs, so there would be first technical analysis and fundamental analysis. So technical analysis is really purely looking at price chart movement, right? Mm. I think um, they they would just look at that, look at patterns, have the various resistance mm. lines, and you know, form an opinion on you know whether or not it move up and down. And these tends to be people who trade in and out of position. 
very quickly. And on the other hand, there's fundamental analysis, which involves really understanding what a company does, its business model, what markets is in. And, you know, when you're looking at a company, you're really understanding, like, what is it selling? What are the margins that is selling its products at, what is a competitor advantage? What makes this company much better than other companies that's in the same space? So you need to form a conviction about that. You look at the P&L, you look at a balance sheet and form your own opinion of where this stock would be, what the company would be valued at three to five years from now. Mm. So that could take a longer term view. Okay. Uh, what what was it on your own journey? If I take it back to the personal mm. so that the listener stays with us, sure. what was it on your own journey? Uh, when was it that you got a sense that, yes, I'm getting the hang of this. I think I'm getting kind of good at this. You know, what builds an investor's confidence? I think when it comes to confidence, it's quite, uh, it's built up over time and it comes from experience that you're in the market itself. Mm. So there's always this saying, you know, time in market is way better than timing the market. So I think mm. getting in earlier makes sense. So mm. I think at the start, you're always nervous to put in that first $100. But mm. once you start building up over time, every mm. month, uh, and it grows to a few thousand dollars and soon it's five digits, you realise that, hey, actually, you know, I'm actually doing this mm-hmm. right, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not losing a huge drawdown or I'm not cashing out at a loss. Mm-hmm. So it gives you the perception that, okay, invest, in, investing is for the long run. So mm-hmm. you need to understand that it's not a short-term game, it's for the long run. And I think you will get the hang of um, all these things when you're actually in the community as well, mm-hmm. where people are talking about, let's say, a very exciting IPO that's going to launch tonight, right? So the Lendlease uh, IPO, which owns 3 on 3 Somerset. There's so many, bu- mm. so much buzz about it. And then you start realising, hey, there's this thing happening. Mm. I can actually register for this IPO on my own online iBanking or, or the ATM as well. So then you will go and do more research and you're like, okay, I, ha- I can form my own judgement of whether I want to buy this stock or not. Yeah. So over it, it takes time to build that up. Yeah, I think that one key thing is not to be intimidated by jargon. Yeah. I think that that's what sets people back. Because mm. you can be listening to people and they could be throwing out acronyms that you don't understand. But, you know, when you actually understand it and, you know, people cannot just throw jargons at you and, mm. you know... Yeah. I think people get daunted even, uh, you know, sometimes listeners call and say they don't even understand the name of the stocks. They look at Vanguard and there's so mm-hmm. many different types of Vanguard <laughs> stocks and they just can't figure it out. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's great to hear someone as experienced as you say, don't be intimidated by the jargon. Feel your way through it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's about understanding what these terms are and understanding it for yourself instead of repeating what other people are saying. Yeah. Mm. When was that milestone moment for you when you thought, okay, I think I'm, I'm getting the hang of this? I, well, it wasn't um, like overnight, right? Mm. It's like as you go on, you you learn more and you always learn more as you you speak to people, when you read annual reports by yourself mm. and really educating yourself along the way. Okay, mm. it sounds like driving. The more yeah. you do it, the better you get at it. Yeah, one more exciting thing is attending AGMs as well. Mm. Oh. So uh, recently we've attended quite a lot of AGMs mm-hmm. because... Uh, we get, you know, we, we own stock in this company and they actually have um, AGM forms where you can come down. Mm. So apart from people eating buffets mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and collecting sandwiches at the counter, you actually get to hear the CEOs of this publicly listed company. And companies. you get to ask them questions. You get too. to ask them questions. You get to vote as well. The machine is pretty cool. Uh, and yeah, everything along those lines. And you get to see the people behind the business. It's not just a stock. It's actually a group of people working hard. So that's your money working for you, mm. if you can think of it that way. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I find those agents particularly helpful because you mm. get to see them in person. You can ask them a question and you actually get to see how they react yes. to you because there's also the facial expressions that mm. you're registering, right? Yeah. Because yeah. if you ask like, how confident are you of achieving 30% year-on-year growth? Mm. And sometimes, you know, CEO will say, I'm very confident and CFO yeah. gives a nervous yeah. expression at the back. <laughs> exactly. You know, that's when you know that maybe you want to do a little bit more yeah. research because yeah. you need to have comfort. 
Exactly. Yeah. Great points there. Yeah. Great points. We are talking with Kenneth Liu, CEO of Seedly, and Junis Yu. She is a top 10, one of the top 10 contributors over at Seedly and a venture capitalist herself. Okay, so let's talk about stocks that people should look at buying if they're initial new investors, new to the game, don't have much to play with, safe spots. Yeah, so I think there is no safe investment as mm-hmm. always. Um, investing, there's always element of risk. If anyone tells you that investing has no risk, then mm-hmm. it's probably not the case, right? Yeah. Um, so I think when it comes to investing, always play the long game, which is why I would recommend ETFs. Mm. So ETFs, when you buy into market indexes, is really a long game horizon. So it's five, 10 year horizon. And don't cash out when everything is dropping because that mm. doesn't make sense. Uh, and not just the SCI ETF, the US S&P 500 as well. There are very cost-effective ways for you to actually buy into those markets. You could also use a robo-advisor so you don't actually need to go into the stock detail. Mm-hmm. So that's two things. So it's ETFs and also robo-advisors. I would think these two um, mechanisms would work very well for beginner investors. But you want to keep an eye on the fees because exactly. they're going to eat into mm-hmm. your profits. Yep. Junus? Mm-hmm. Well, I agree that you know any investment would come with risk. There's not necessarily something called a safe spot. So, I mean, I, I did have one mentor who would tell me, I mean, he was a value investor himself. And every time he puts in money, he's prepared to lose all of it. Mm. You can't go into the mindset of, you know, if you're down by 10% and then you start being scared and nervous and all that. So you need to be mentally prepared for that. But in terms of, you know, one of the ways that um, value investors especially used to mitigate their risk is, you know, the concept of a margin of safety which is popularized by Benjamin Graham, which is the father of investing. And, you know, one of his most notable followers is Warren Buffett. Mm -hmm. And the whole concept is basically that, you know, for example, a stock price today, as we know, it could move up and down in the future. But then, you know, the whole premise is that if you are buying it at below what you deem to be its intrinsic value, then you would see yourself as minimizing the risk of, you know, losing your principle. Mm. Okay, I hear, I can hear the listeners already saying, ask them what some of them are. <laughs> Tell them to put it out there. Okay, um, but I won't do that. Final <laughs> words of advice for listeners? We've got about a, a minute on the clock. I think the final words of advice would be really to join a community. And I say this because you need to get into the mindset where investing is not something that only experts do. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. That is the most important thing. Listen yes. to Money FM, right? Yes. Understand and understand people who are not that much older than the listeners as well. Uh, it's never too early or too late to start investing. I think those key elements would be the tips I would leave the listeners with. Junus, what do you want to leave the listener with? Two things. So start mm-hmm. early. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. And second is don't be intimidated by jargon and understand everything yourself. Mm. Lovely to hear a female investor. I don't have too many of them on mm. the show. So thank you so much for coming by, Junus. Junus, you and Kenneth Liu, CEO of Seedly and a top one of the top contributors over at Seedly, uh, the online community platform. With me here on Money and Me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.